This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. So based on studies with other coronaviruses, it is suspected that COVID-19 can remain viable on surfaces for several hours and possibly for days. The survival time depends on many different factors, but the good news here is that it's easily inactivated using common disinfectants such as rubbing alcohol or bleach, other common household cleaners. That's Eric Yegi, WQA Technical Affairs Director, talking about sanitation best practices for water treatment products. And welcome to WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. You can find us at wqa.org on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is episode number 168. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. That is the magic of podcasting. In this episode, we hear from Eric in his remarks that he delivered to the WQA dealer section in April as he talked about uh, some of the concerns and questions being asked about disinfection procedures in light of the COVID-19 crisis. We'll also have a regulatory update from Kathleen Burbage, and I'll have our WQA tip. Now, on to remarks from Eric Yegi on WQA Radio. So based on statements from the EPA, the CDC, and the World Health Organization, COVID-19 has not been detected in the drinking water supplies, and the drinking water supplies are really at a low risk. So I want to be clear that we're not talking, uh, we're not suggesting that products which are otherwise working well out in the field need to be sanitized now because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Next slide. Our discussion today is really about sanitation best practices that would be applicable anytime you are performing installations or maintenance. However, because of COVID-19, there's a heightened level of concern amongst health officials and the general public, and so we want to take that into account as well in this guidance. Uh, next slide. So this this link here just takes you to that uh, technical guidance document, the the FAQ, if you will, that Kathleen just referenced. Um, I will mention that when you go to that link, that when you actually go to download the document, it will ask you for your login credentials, and that's just for your membership login credentials. If you don't know those, you can get those from Heather and Monica. That's just because this document is really intended to be for our members. It's much more technical than the other public general public documents which are on there. So this first question here, um, I have systems or components that were made in an area where COVID-19 outbreaks have been reported. Can COVID-19 be transmitted through packages and products? So based on studies with other coronaviruses, it is suspected that COVID-19 can remain viable on surfaces for several hours and possibly for days. The survival time depends on many different factors, but the good news here is that it's easily inactivated using common disinfectants such as rubbing alcohol or bleach, other common household cleaners. So it's prudent to practice good disinfection procedures with all installations, regardless of where your products are made or being shipped from. Next slide. 
Another question we addressed is, what can I do to help protect myself and prevent the spread of COVID-19 during installation and service calls? So first, follow the manufacturer's instructions for disinfection of the system itself. And let's put that aside for a sec, because I'm going to come back to that. Um, the rest of these recommendations here are really for the installer. We've taken the guidance from OSHA and CDC and adapted that for our members, for our installers. And this would be things you would do in addition to all the, the normal things you do to maintain a sanitary work environment when you're out doing installations. So one, frequently wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. When hand washing is unavailable, use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Maintain a distance of at least six feet from other people, including your customer. Stay home if you're sick and cover coughs or sneezes with the inside of your elbow. And then clean and disinfect surfaces you touch frequently with an EPA-approved disinfected for the COVID-19 virus. Next slide, please. So let's come back to that issue on sanitizing the device itself. The first option in terms of sanitizing the device is to follow the device manufacturer's instructions. Many of the device manufacturers provide specific sanitation steps in the operating manual, or they will provide them for you if you just give them a call. And WQA always recommends that you follow the manufacturer's instructions when they're providing it. Option two on the next slide, yeah, if, you, if no instructions are provided by the device manufacturer, then check with the disinfectant manufacturer because many of the disinfectant manufacturers are coming out now with instructions on how to sanitize water appliances and even water treatment equipment using their products. And then you would also want to, again, consult with the device manufacturer just to avoid any unexpected consequences or damage. Another thing I wanted to mention was there's a, the internet myth out there that quaternary ammonia, ammonium does not work with viruses like COVID-19. And unfortunately, this myth actually made it into our knowledge base as well. So you may encounter this if you're in the knowledge base, you may encounter this information. It's not entirely accurate, all right? So there are some known limitations to the effectiveness of quaternary ammonium for certain categories of virus, but this does not include the lipophilic enveloped viruses like COVID-19. So we will get that cleaned up in our knowledge base, but just be aware of it as a general internet myth that's floating around out there. And a great resource on the topic of disinfection, disinfectant limitations is available through the CDC. And I've included the link here. If you go to that link, it will pull up uh, all, the, all the known um, information on limitations for each type of disinfectant, including scientific references for you, so you can check out the, where that information comes from. Next slide. But let's just simplify this. Where can I find a list of USA EPA-approved disinfectants? If you follow this link, it will give you a list of several hundred US EPA-approved disinfectants for use against viral pathogens like COVID-19. And when I say EPA-approved, that's approved through the Office of Pesticides under the FIFRA Act, um, which means that they have tested these for efficacy. They know that these are effective at what they're advertised to do. And they've also looked at material safety and other things like that. You will also want to con consult with the device manufacturer, if you're using this disinfectant to sanitize the device, again, just to avoid un unintended consequences, 
And lastly, if you're using this disinfectant on surfaces that are going to come in contact with drinking water, you will also want to ensure it is certified under NSF ANSI 60 because that looks at a different type of material safety and different type of exposure issues. So just to be sure, you will want to look to make sure that it's certified under 60 if you're going to use it on surfaces that come in contact with drinking water. So that'd be like you're taking apart the system and you're you're actually using the disinfectant on wetted parts. Thank you. This is Kathleen Burbage, WQA's Global Regulatory and Government Affairs Manager with your regulatory update. The Commonwealth of Virginia has sent multiple water bills to its governor to await approval. These bills include House Bill 586, directing the Commissioner of Health to study the occurrence of PFOA, PFOS, and other PFAS in the Commonwealth's drinking water and provide recommended maximum contaminant levels. In addition, House Bill 1257, was sent to the governor directing the State Board of Health to adopt maximum contaminant levels for PFOA, PFOS, and PFAS, also including chrome-6 and 1,4-dioxane. Note this legislation does not go as far as to set these levels in its text. We are continuing to track state-adopted maximum contaminant levels for you. Also, you can watch the movement of proposed legislation through WQA's bills list on WQA.org Government Affairs webpage. I'm Kathleen Burbage for WQA Radio. Now our WQA tip. Continue to check out the coronavirus resources on the WQA website. We've got new HR tips and resources for you. We've also got a video that steps you through the various pages of content. And don't forget our update called COVID-19 and drinking water. That's at wqa.org coronavirus. And if you missed any of our live virtual education sessions, you'll still be able to see the recorded sessions on demand throughout the rest of the year by going to wqa.org convention and clicking on the education tab. These are great resources for you and your entire team. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at WQA.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio. WQA Radio.